Hello, and welcome to the Brain Mastery Podcast, brought to you by ABI Wellness. This series features renowned experts on brain injury, brain health, and rehabilitation. Be sure to visit abiwellness.com for more resources. All right. Uh, Welcome back to the Brain Mastery Podcast. What we're going to learn today is all about leadership, exercise, self-development, research, and how each of us actually have the ability to change ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to make these revolutionary changes. That's not necessarily the case for all of us. But today we have a real kind of specialist in leadership and exercise joining us today. And she's going to really help us to unpack Mm -hmm. exercise physiology, how one through exercise can learn about leadership, can actually learn about, you know, some self-efficacy and how we can make some behavioral changes. So it's going to be a very, very exciting episode. I'm just, you know, so excited about this that I've only had like a quarter cup of coffee. So, you know, I'm pumped. Um, Sharon Larson, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Love so, it. A little bit about um, Sharon. Sharon is, is very accomplished. Um, she's an exercise physiologist by, by training and uh, actually has found herself working with a lot of executives and helping them to optimize their performance through leadership training, through exercise. Sharon has also worked at the Olympic Training Center. Um, I think she's up in the mountains somewhere in Colorado because she walks the walk or maybe runs the run or bikes to bike or hikes the trail. She does it all. Um, she's somebody who lives kind of her purpose and values being a, you know, kind of an endurance athlete herself. So Sharon, anything that I missed in the intro that you'd like for the listeners to understand before we get started? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been very fortunate in the sense that I, I get paid to do my passion. <laughs> and I've been paid to help these executives achieve better health and better fitness. And so, yeah, I feel very fortunate to, to have been able to work in this space. Yeah. I, I think I, I, as we learn, we're going to get to hear more about how those passions came to be and, and how really those passions are helping others to achieve a, a better quality of life and, and really better understand some of their own personal limits. So I'm really looking forward to digging into some of that with you. So, you know, for people that might be listening to this message and your message, when you think about exercise and leadership and executive leadership and management and really human potential, What would you want people to better understand as kind of a main message uh, when we think about exercise and personal development? What's kind of one main message that you'd like for people to maybe better understand? Yeah, there's no shortcuts, right, to better health. There's no shortcuts to fitness. And so whether you're walking 20 minutes a day, whether you're running 10 miles a day, it's consistency over time that's going to pay off. And so that's where you reap the benefits. And it's being committed to um, to doing that on a consistent basis. So I, I, you know, I try to get my executives to think about, okay, don't think about exercise. This is for the rest of your life. Right. And so it's going to help with the aging process. Obviously it's going to help with a lot of things, uh, in terms of your cognitive function, but think about it, you know, how are, how are you going to exercise for the rest of your life? Right. We only have one body, take care of it. <laughs> and, uh, Love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that is so good. And so true. 
And it starts with that first step. And I love what you said around consistency. I think that's so important because surely there's times when even you might, or maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, you, you know, it, you, you've got it, the run schedule, right? It's supposed yeah. to happen. You know the distance. Are there days when you're like, I just can't today? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I mean, there's mornings if you have to do it before work and it's cold and dark outside and it's like, oh, the last thing I want to do is go outside and go, go for the run. And, and sometimes I give in to that. Other times it's like, okay, just go for five minutes. If I can make it five minutes, usually I can make it 10. And, uh, and, and then, you know, usually when I'm done, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I did this. And, you know, ultimately humans are interesting, right? So we, we tend to, to engage in things that make us feel better. And so, it, you know, if your rationale for exercise is like, oh, this, this is, this sucks. I hate it. It's so hard. You know, if you're just gritting your teeth, trying to get out the door, you know, when we survey people and ask them why they exercise, most are going to say, well, it makes me feel better. <laughs> so, so totally. that's the ultimate motivation right there. Love yeah. that. What yeah. a great message. And I love all of it. I mean, I think that, you know, when you're really tracking it, and measuring it and building out that consistency you're so right because you already kind of know that outcome what, what it's going to be after after you kind of put that effort towards that goal there's that sense of reward right and fulfillment yep. that yeah. you know i've really taken this invested we we're just talking about that you know i i like to name my my runs investments because i i know for sure there is nothing pretty about the way in which i run um however it's getting better but I know at the end of the day, I'm a slightly better me. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. And yeah. especially when it's hard. And yeah. there's a level of, you know, peace and grounding, <laughs> literally, that you that you get from that that's really powerful. And, you know, the message that I really want to for this to be in service for people that are listening here, you know, here's somebody who's actually giving some of her time right now, a busy professional coaching executives who is so passionate about service, she wants to share her expertise with you today. So please listen, um, because she's, she's gonna give you tidbits here that are gonna help you to help yourself. And you know, something you and I were talking about also earlier was a, a bit about illness. And you know, we've, we've had personal you know, people in our families who've, who've had you know, serious illness. And I think that's part of the motivator. I know it is for me, and I think it is for you is helping people to behaviorally take charge of their health as much as possible. You know, some things are out of our control. Unfortunately, sometimes we get a bad gene here or there and oh no, right? But what are the controllables? And exercise is such an important one. And, you know, your message that I really enjoyed and really agree with was consistency. Because a lot of people go so extreme that they can blow out the consistency. And I think if you could expand just a little bit further on that, so people can understand that, let's say these are individuals, let's say they're busy, they're, you know, a mother of two, <laughs> they're busy with, with their young kids. How do we build in that consistency? What are some practical strategies that we could deploy? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, again, when we ask people why they don't exercise, it's, it's often either I'm not motivated or I don't have time. And usually it's the, I don't have time. And so yeah, I mean, you know, I think in that sense, it's, it's uh, again, if, if you have 10 minutes, I mean, the, the research shows if you can, you can do 10 minutes, that there's a boost in mood, there's a boost in, in cognitive function, 
is there's also this concept of sort of revving the engine a little bit. When they did the study where they looked at women who did 10 minutes of exercise and they had them do a three by 30 seconds, I think it was, up these stairs, pretty hard. And they did this three times a week. And they basically found that the, the physical benefits were similar to people who did low intensity exercise for five times the length. So they did 50 minutes. So there's always this crossover between endurance and intensity. And so if you don't have a lot of time, you might want to just rev the engine a little bit, do some more high intensity. Mm. You don't want to do that every day, you know, probably no more than a few times a week. But it's amazing that the threshold for benefit from exercise is actually really relatively low. Now, there is something of a dose response, right? So if you get up to an hour a day, there's, there's additional benefit. But even breaking it up throughout the day, if you do sort of smaller increments throughout the day, and that's probably even better. We have this idea called the, the active couch potato. And the active couch potato is someone who gets up and runs in the morning and sits all day, the rest of the day. And obviously running in the morning is better than nothing, but that, and then the sitting the rest of the day is not doing you any favors, favors either. So, so this, this concept of, of sort of getting up every 30 minutes, every, every hour, every 60 minutes and moving, going up and down stairs, whatever, whatever it is, is, is beneficial. It, it goes a long way. Yeah. That's, that's huge. I love that. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's building in that, that habit and sometimes being a semi kind of athletic guy. I've always appreciated the structure of training and in football was, it was, I mean, many people that weren't involved with that game may not understand just how regimented it actually is. You know, I like walkthrough was 542 AM, not 543, right? Like, you know, very, very specific, extremely clear, which played well to my training when I got into some more of the structure of, of the kind of training I'm doing now. For people that are listening, even that idea, that concept, well, I mean, she's a superstar athlete who's worked with the top performers on earth. (laughs) You know, I'm, you know, a dad in suburban Chicago that's working long, long days. And I wish I could get to be the active coach potato. You know, what's maybe a a thought, maybe a mantra, a little one that that we could help to get people. I, I know I have a few, but... Is there, is there one or two that, that, that have come up in helping people to take that first step towards changing that behavior, especially if, you know, I was going to start the new routine Monday. It didn't happen. I missed my alarm. I had to get to work. What do we do on Tuesday or what do we do on Monday night to help us make it happen or help the probability to increase <laughs> towards <laughs> making it happen? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think sometimes we have this sort of idea of what's what's the perfect routine, you know, what's the perfect day or habit. And at the end of the day, we're not perfect, right? And so absolutely these days when you mess it up and you don't do it, and, and then people tend to throw in the towel and say, oh, I'm worthless, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I do sort of like this idea of compassion to yourself and, and tomorrow is another day, right? Tomorrow is another day to make good. Um, another mantra that I, I like is win the morning, win the day. Yeah, uh, if, if I love at, that. If you look at people who, who tend to be more consistent with the exercise, it is something that they sort of give priority to early in the day and then more likely to, to stay consistent um, if it's sort of that first thing that they do. You know, and I think also kind of figuring out what, you know, there's multiple benefits, right? So you get the benefit of the exercise. So if, perhaps it could also be, um, serve a dual purpose where this is my time to think about 
work or think about yeah. problems all around work. We are most creative when we're moving. Um, 100%. And so if we can sometimes justify the time, oh, this is not just about the exercise. There, there's, there's, there's multiple benefits that I can get out of this. And if, if it has to be, okay, work is going to benefit when I exercise, then, then use that as a justification to, to make the time. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. I mean, I could, I could just stop here. That, that was, that was, <laughs> that was so well said. And, you know, it's interesting that I, you said a few really important points there, the self-compassion. Wow. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. And that, that relates directly to mindfulness which I mean, a hundred percent and unlocking creativity is so true. I mean, I found that with even two days ago when I did my, my last run, I mean, unbelievable creativity came from that. Great ideas came from that and they will continue to. And again, the science is strong on this. This is not made up. You know, you're, you're, you're increasing blood flow, right? Cerebral blood flow. And you're also getting, once we've reached that perfect dosage in the zone, you're also Yes, you're getting dopamine and serotonin, but you're also getting brain-derived neurotrophic factor, yep. which is almost like a miracle grow for the brain, yep. which is going to help us. So, <laughs> cog- so, so, you know, be compassionate to yourself. I love that because we're all going to make those mistakes at times, but yep. then hit refresh and start the next day n- with new information and go in the morning. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And on sort of continuing on that theme, there was you know, sometimes particularly women, perhaps, I don't, I don't want to generalize here, but sometimes this notion of self-care feels selfish. So think of it as self-full <laughs> rather than selfish. And um, yeah, there was some interesting research that was done uh, looking at uh, what they did was they went and looked in organizations and said, okay, within organizations, you find three d- types of people. You have people that are givers. So people that give of themselves and their time and their energy and their, you know, they're mentoring other people. Then there are matchers. So you scratch my back, I scratch your back. Mm-hmm. And then there are takers. So people that don't tend to give in return, but tend to, <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. other people. And so then they wanted to see who were the top performers, the middle performers mm-hmm. and the bottom performers. Mm-hmm. And so when they looked at the top performers within the organization, they were predominantly made up of givers. Uh, which you would somewhat expect. In the middle performers, you had more matchers and takers. In the bottom performers, you had a lot of givers as well. So the question was like, okay, sort of what's the difference now between the givers that are the top performers and the givers that are the bottom performers? And basically they they found that the, the givers that were top performers not only gave to others, but they also gave to themselves, right? And so they sort of made time for self-care and they had, they had boundaries between, okay, yes, I'll get that to you. I'm going to help you out on this, but I need to take time to go get a workout or whatever it is that I need to do to take care of myself. Whereas the bottom performers over time weren't able to do that and make those distinctions. And so I think that's a powerful lesson in terms of this idea that taking care of yourself is in some ways, yeah, it can be seen as selfish, but really it is, it's about being able to give to others as well and, and, and kind of, you know, you, you have to refill the cup, right? <laughs> I've never quite heard it explained like that. And uh, wow, like that was awesome. Cause I think people need to hear that. I needed to hear that. That is a wonderful explanation. 
And, you know, it makes so much sense because if you're not filling up the cup, how can you give more of the coffee to someone else? Right. It's a beautiful. And I love how you explained that, you know, the bottom performers was made up of those givers who didn't invest in themselves. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's very, very well uh, said and something that I want uh, the listeners to really take home. This question, this is where you can kind of unload a little bit. if there's one thing and let's kind of focus on just, we can call it brain health or mental health or just that industry and that, that whole world. What's one thing that really kind of frustrates you about it right now, when you sit back and you look at it and you say, come on, you know, what, what's one area of, of that. And it could be anything that you would like, you just want to see change or it just, you know, in some cases for some people just angers them. Uh, you know, what might that be for you? Um, in terms of the industry or could be anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be the even the mindset around it, which we've already hit on. It could yeah. be it yeah. could be the actual industry of it. It could yeah. be misinformation. It could be anything. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah, I think if you look at younger people, sometimes the motivation to exercise is uh to work out, you know, go to the gym, work out, is driven by ego, <laughs> perhaps. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to overgeneralize, but certainly um, there, there is that sort of, okay, I want to have better looking biceps or, you know, glute muscles or whatever. And that's a little bit unfortunate, I think, because when we look at maintenance of muscle mass, when we look at the aging process in general, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this assumption that as we age, everything goes downhill. <laughs> right. We lose bone density, we lose muscle mass, we have sarcopenia, you know, we have increased risk of dementia, Alzheimer's and all this stuff. And yet a lot of those outcomes are, are strictly as a result of, of poor lifestyle habits, poor eating, obviously, okay. I think is very important. Um, and disuse, right? So this idea of, of exercise, it, it, you know, becomes more critically important as we, as we get older. And so I think that the motivation to do it is, is I want to stay functional into my 80s and my 90s, right? And I want to maintain my ability to engage in occupational pursuits or recreational pursuits, as well as maintain cognitive function, because we know that exercise and particularly both exercise and diet affect those cognitive outcomes. And, and when you go into the research, as you have in terms of looking at brain health and long-term brain health, that the admonition is to start in middle age, even before that, right? Yeah. To start in your 20s, start in yeah. your 30s, because this is not a disease that happens overnight. It happens, accumulates over years. So it's accumulation of bad habits over you know, 40 years, 30, 40 years. And so I think that sometimes the I think the motivation or the message sometimes needs to be, you know, the, this has long-term consequences in terms of, yeah, do it because of. You know, you don't want to be a burden to, to others in the healthcare system when you're in your 70s, you know. I, I love the, how you brought in the potential. And I, and I don't think it's potential. I think in, in some cases it's true. You know, I know it was for me, ego. You know, yeah. I, I think that's very, that's, that's, a, that's a very important point. And it actually, as I mean, when we're young, we're young, though. We're going to do things true. that, you know, <laughs> aren't as mature at times. But I, I like that. Even if you could build that habit, even if it was led by ego earlier, but you still understood how exercise made you feel and yeah. helped you win mornings, maybe the motivator and the levers could change slightly as long as the habit 
you know, moves yeah. and, and sticks. You know, I, I find it interesting with some of the people who I played football with, some of the bigger guys that were always motivated, you know, and putting, I, don't, I won't even say how many calories because I don't even know if I could count that high, but putting this amount of inflammatory fuel into the body and then wanting to be bulkier, it did not feel good. And, you know, and it was all about trying to press a certain amount of weight, trying to, you know, deadlift a certain amount of weight. And it's really been fascinating to watch some of the people that I played with who are now cyclists <laughs> who are now, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. 70 pounds lighter yeah. and, and yeah. look, look great. Yeah. And when you think about that aging and you think about the motivation, it's really top bucket givers, really. <laughs> yeah. I think we just came, I think you gave us a new term because I think we all want to try to strive to be that sort of an individual because it helps everyone if we can do that. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I really appreciate the amount of compassion you had in that answer um, for everybody. Cause you know, it can be hard for people to sometimes recognize these things, but um, I, I kind of, I agree with you on that. And I think that was very, very well thought out. And I think it will resonate for people. I'm always curious when I have really smart people on the show to learn, is there one or two either articles or books that help to shape some of your perspective around this work? Or it could be professors, people, individuals. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a geek at heart. So <laughs> I love PubMed. <laughs> when I worked at the Center for Creative Leadership, which I still do some work for, but they had a, love, a fantastic library. And every day, you know, every week I'd be like, give me this article, get me this article. And it was like Christmas when those articles came into my inbox. Right. Um, you know, I think uh, there's just some fantastic books out there, though. I would say most of the books I sort of resonate with or enjoyed reading were, were probably more related to diet than exercise. Okay. Because, you know, that that was sort of my background was exercise physiology, obviously. But the whole nutrition piece, I think that one book that really sort of changed my thinking around that was was the China study. I was just that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought yeah. so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that really sort of rocked my world, I guess, and yeah. got me realizing, wow, you know, as an athlete, I think sometimes we, we think, oh, I know about nutrition. I know how to eat. But at the end of the day, I realized I really knew nothing. And so that sort of got me opened up this whole new world of, of uh, diet and performance as well as diet and health. Yeah. Long-term health outcomes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Um, again, extracting some themes here we all have access to so much information now with the internet, with PubMed, with just information and access to it. You know, I'm hoping that for people that are listening here, what Sharon is sharing here is accessible to you. Like, like you can take that first step and you can do it through the lens of self-compassion, but also personal development and also service of yourself and those that you are in community with. This is possible. <laughs> you, yes. you, you can do this for people information is out there <laughs> yeah i mean you can do it and, it, and yeah, it starts with one of the people more in my lens we were talking earlier about some of the work we do and you know it's in kind of some of the work I've, I've been a part of is you know around cognitive rehabilitation for people with acquired brain injury and i'm also a little bit of a nerd so when i got into the work of kind of behavioral neuroplasticity i was really interested in non-invasive cognitive rehab 
And what that looks like is like, you know, uh, very specific cognitive exercises that stimulate different regions and help to improve that individual's level up to more of an average range so that they can participate more actively in activities of daily living. But I was really focused on just those cognitive tasks. And then also recognizing I have a degree in human kinetics. <laughs> like I, I was not paying attention to the power of harnessing exercise to further improve cognition. And once we started doing that in the clinic, it was totally transformative, mm-hmm. as you know. But yes. we, we had to ensure we had a systems-based measurable approach yeah. in there. And, you know, that's what's been so incredibly exciting to, to see. And we see it time and time and time again now. And again, it's not rocket science. It's, it's accessible. It's there. Yeah. You just, yeah. just got to be able to do it. And it's yeah. so wonderful to see people, you know, some of the people, they were, you know, already in the care of really good physiotherapists, but they, they weren't doing this. They weren't getting the system going because what's good for the heart is also good for the brain, right? So, you know, this one individual had serious gait issues and, you know, maybe she didn't have access to the, to the treadmills that they needed or the appropriate hand bikes, but we had access to hand bikes and we were able to get the heart rate in the right zone before mm-hmm. doing the cognitive mm-hmm. tasks, which yeah. kind of turbocharged everything, right? And you got to understand that, you know, it is possible. Yeah. And uh, yeah. is, is there one story that you'd want to share about somebody transforming their lives that, that really kind of sits with you and helps to motivate you? I'm sure you have many, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, definitely probably one of the joys of my work is, is getting emails from people that have made big changes, you know, whether it be to the exercise program or the, the dietary, you know, what they put into their mouths every day. Probably the best one was from a general. He was a, at the time, a three-star general. And he sent me an email after the program. He came through our program leadership program and went through the fitness stuff and went back and totally was like on board, you know, and you just love those people yeah. that are just so motivated and they just do it. And so he did. And, and uh, so a few months later, he sent me an email and it started out and said, I, I wanted to start by saying you're absolutely right. And so I cut and paste <laughs> that sentence and sent it to my husband, which went over really well, as you can imagine. <laughs> but then he went on to say that he had uh, completely revamped his diet and he um, had switched over to a predominantly plant-based diet and started mm-hmm. to exercise and, you know, he just said jet lag, not an issue anymore because they, those guys travel all over the world. He said, lost 25 pounds, his cholesterol dropped, you know, more energy, felt better, thinking better. And so it is incredible how, you know, lifestyle habits are powerful mm. you know? and, and they can radically change people's lives. And I see this over and over and over again. And again, we were talking earlier about small changes versus big change. And, and often you hear, well, baby steps, baby steps. And I, I'm all for baby steps as long as you keep taking baby steps, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when people make big changes uh, and not everybody needs to make big changes, but when people make big changes, they tend to see big benefits. And when you have big benefits, then that's motivating to, to stick with the changes. And, and, and so that's, I think, sometimes that message, I think, get, gets lost in terms of, don't just dip your toe in the water. Sometimes you got to jump in the deep end <laughs> and go all in. <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah. true. And I, um, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And 
it's really cool. I feel the same way. Like I feel fortunate that I get to see people reclaim some of what they had lost and, and to, and to have the choice to try. And that was the big thing for me was we were talking earlier about some of my path and, and journey, you know, when, when I was ill with a pretty serious illness, someone gave me the opportunity to try something that could potentially yield a better outcome. Not just for me. I like to think it was a type one give, <laughs> you know, bucket one give, you know, it was a clinical trial and it was, you know, looking at a different way to potentially treat mm. uh, this kind of a condition. And I like to think I was mindful in that decision that it wasn't just about me. It was about others as well. And I saw this, you know, in this particular agency, you know, doing a wonderful job, looking at research, pairing up research, bringing that to practice when it was appropriate and, the, and the, you know, the data suggested it was safe. And, you know, as we continue doing this work, you know, together, I think this is the start of something. You're amazing. I, I love the work you're doing because it, it's giving that informed choice. And ultimately, we all have choice. And the, the challenge is that, you know, in this busy world of digital marketing and media and information, what we're talking about here is not the easy road, but it is the road that can lead to long-term change. And also something we haven't hit on, but I think is, or we have slightly fulfillment, you know, like it feels good, right? When you, when, when you get that trail running and, and you know, you, you get to the 19K mark and, and, and we're supposed to get to 21. I mean, we all get there, you know, where it's like, oh God. <laughs> But, you know, even if you did stop at 18, wow. Yeah. You, you could have done nothing. Yeah. You know? And uh, I absolutely love that. So yeah. just thank you for all that you're doing. It's so cool. And uh, I, I'm sure you get a lot of emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> now, for, for people that are listening here, I'd like for you to share just how people could get a hold of you, get in touch with you. Maybe they want to learn more about your work, but also maybe get involved in some way, shape or form, you know, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah. I mean, I probably the easiest way is just through my website, SharonLarson.org. So mm -hmm. Larson with an E yeah. and uh, there is a contact page there as well. And I try to, you know, this is, it's not a fancy website. It's not sort of professionally done. I just put it together, but I, I wanted to create a resource for people. So whether it's information around, nutrition, whether it's information around exercise, there's workout plans, there's five minute stretching breaks, there's all kinds of resources. There's links to other sort of very informative websites on just about any topic. So I tried to make it kind of a one-stop shop to help awesome. people. Yep. <laughs> awesome. And I've been on it. I definitely check it out. Uh, I've perused through it and, uh, you know, it'll be in the show notes. So you just, you can just click. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll make sure that it's there for you. And just thank you. You really inspired me today with this conversation. And once we kind of stop recording here, I want to quickly chat for a second because uh, there's some there's some elements in here that are really really exciting for me. And maybe we can talk a little bit further about about some of this work. So thanks Absolutely. again. My pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been thank fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Brain Mastery Podcast brought to you by ABI Wellness. Be sure to follow us on social media channels at ABI Wellness.
the statements made regarding the Bears platform and ABI Wellness have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of the Bears platform has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. The Bears platform is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice.